This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Join you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a fantastic week so far. Hope you're enjoying the World Cup games if you are indeed watching them. And if you're not, fair play to you. Uh, but absolutely, I am really kind of hoping now with today getting a kickoff of Brazil that we aren't going to see any injuries touching woods quite heavily here you know hoping that there's gonna be no problems because we've seen harry kane face some issues which you know from an arsenal perspective kind of fine with from an england perspective obviously it's not that great um but now we see jesus and martinelli entering the competition we see uh granite xhaka entering the competition with switzerland as well uh and thomas Partey, of course too will be entering the competition with ghana as well so lots of football to be played and of course we'll bring you all the latest on the world cup regarding arsenal uh, very, very soon. Um, before further ado, let's jump into the chat box. Say good morning to people. Matt G, good morning to you, to PJ, to Red Star. Uh, good morning to Damien. Good morning to uh, Morgie. Good morning to Harvey. Good morning to uh, Paul. We've got Dave. We've got Olu and Temi and Abdullahi. Uh, we've got uh, Hamoud uh, and we've got Frank and Vivian and Dave and Anthony and Stevie. Good morning to everybody else as well joining us in the chat box as well. Um, David says, hi, Tom. I'm David from Auckland. You are great. Why do I always agree with you? Because I'm right. <laughs> Sometimes. Anyway, good morning to the rest of you. Hope you're good. Hope you're well. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new around here and turn those notifications on so you never miss a show. Let's crack on with today's stories. First things first, World Cup transfer watch. Uh, the piece over on football.london is up, focusing on the performances of Yusuf Enaziri, Borna Souza, Ferran Torres and Yuri Tielemans, uh, head over to the FL website to get your up-to-date uh, look at Arsenal's previous and current transfer targets and how they got on during their fixtures. Uh, I don't know why I've not changed the the tagline. That's that's on me. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Takuma Asano, Asano, the hero uh, of Japan. <laughs> I love the fact that heroics is the right word because coming off the bench and producing what Takuma Asano ultimately managed to do was just brilliant. I mean, can you ever be as over the moon and excited as how Asano looks in this picture? I love it. I, I absolutely loved the touch, the run, the finish. Asano's not even playing too much with Bochum. He's actually been injured for quite a lot of this season. And it was actually 
a bit of a, a concern about whether or not Asano would uh, reach the, the World Cup finals because he had been suffering from a serious, I think, knee problem at Bochum. But he did indeed make the Japan squad, as did Tomiyasu, of course, who came off the bench and performed brilliantly off the bench as well. Defensively, was so versatile and so strong. Um, but yeah, Takuma Asano, absolutely brilliant. Uh, I really, really appreciate the fact that uh, we've seen a player that wasn't ever able to play for Arsenal is now uh, doing great things on the biggest of stages. Um, Arsenal's ladies have trained in Turin ahead of the UCL match against Juventus. Of course, Beth Mead's injury is a big problem, but as you can see in the picture there, uh, Vivian Miedemar is training. Hopefully that's an indication that potentially she might be involved. She has been uh, unable to start games recently um, due to, I, I don't think the circumstances have been revealed at the moment, but uh, she hasn't been able to start too many games. Hopefully, Midabar will be back and playing as soon as feasibly possible. Uh, Arsenal are reportedly willing to meet the wage demands of Rabio, uh, the Juventus and France midfielder. I don't know how I feel about this. Rabio has been a player that continually seems himself linked to Arsenal day after day after day, which is really... Um, one of the indications that kind of it doesn't matter how long reports go on for, he'll probably never move to Arsenal. But uh, Rabio on the links of Arsenal again, according to Italian media, which in itself is always going to give you a little bit of uh, trepidation. It's probably the fairest of words regarding this. So we'll wait and see if Rabio's move away from Juventus this summer materialises. He was pretty close to signing for Manchester United actually last summer. Maybe he will find eventually his move to the Premier League. Uh, Arsenal are being backed to chase the likes of Danilo and others in the January window. A report by Simon Collings in the Evening Standard claimed that Arsenal are expecting to be backed by their owners in the window to go after some of their primary targets, such as Danilo, in the uh, window, which, of course, is approaching very, very quickly this winter. I keep wanting to say the summer transfer window, but it isn't. Although, with the amount of money that Arsenal may have to spend, maybe it'll look something like a summer transfer window. That would be very appreciative indeed of the ownership to be able to push Arsenal to sign and spend as much as we typically do in the summer. Although that said, of course, the targets that are available this winter don't tend to be the same level or of availability as they are in the summer and tend to be more expensive as well. Uh, moving forwards, and Arsenal are also reportedly linked to Rodrigo Becao, who is a player that I have Never heard of uh, playing for Udinese. That might be me being a little bit ignorant of Serie A, but I've not come across Rodrigo Becao's name, especially considering I think he's now in his mid-20s. He is indeed 26 years of age, Brazilian. Uh, hasn't played for Brazil as far as I can see uh, and has only played nine games so far this season for Udinese, scoring one goal and getting one assist. He's a right-footed centre-back. I don't really see how this makes much sense, but Arsenal were named alongside Tottenham and Everton in Italian media as being clubs that are looking at Rodrigo Mecao. Um, but I don't think this is one that will happen. I'd be very surprised if it did. And our headline story of the day, a January move is unlikely for Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, despite reports of a Lokonga 
plus cash deal. This is according to Fabrizio Romano, who says that the likelihood of uh, Segem Linkovic Savic leaving during the January transfer window is very low. He says, I'm told there were no talks for Milinkovic to Arsenal in the summer, and we will see what happens in the future. But in January, it's going to be very difficult to see him leaving. Of course, Arsenal, if you remember, were quite heavily linked to Sergei Milinkovic Savic, courtesy of Italian media in the summer. And there were suggestions that a Lukonga plus cash deal was being discussed. Uh, I would be shocked to see Sergei Milinkovic Savic leave in January. It does seem like potentially more of a summer move. And I imagine that they would still be looking for upwards of 60 million quid, if even more than that. Uh, to sign the Serbian international as well, gets his World Cup uh, foray off to a start today in their game. So, yes, uh, very interesting stories. A lot of big names being discussed and being talked about in the world of Arsenal. However, we are still waiting for further clarification on who Arsenal's primaries will be. It seems as though that Danilo remains that key option. No real update on Mikolai Mudrik so far. It seems to be that still Shakhtar Donets will be asking for upwards of 70-odd million uh, to get the deal done, which I don't think I see Arsenal paying in January. But I might be wrong about that. And maybe we'll go after him. Anyway, that completes part one. We're going to move to part two and your questions in the chat box right after this. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, I had to leave up this comment from James Monroe, who says, uh, Morning, Tom. I'm in France at the moment and still managing to catch you in the mornings, which is great. Thank you for that, James. He says, The missus just sarcastically said to me, It's like we never left your house. I assume that's because my voice is coming through your device. I'm so sorry to be such a constant pain, James, <laughs> to your missus. But thank you, uh, Mrs. Monroe, if it is indeed Mrs. Monroe. Uh, for allowing James to watch the morning shows. I very much appreciate it. <laughs> much thanks to all of you. Really kind comment. Appreciate it very much so. Um, let's go into the chat box then and take some of the questions. Leopold says, Tom, what do you think of the comments made by Leandro Trossard's agent? He added that if Trossard is to be benched for even three games, it would be a problem. Yeah, this is uh, in response to his agent basically talking to the media uh, in the last few days or so. I think he mentioned how Arsenal were... Very interested in him when he was a younger player, um, but ultimately didn't get a deal done. And he eventually has moved to Brighton, of course, but that he would not be happy being a bit part player or a rotational player if he's on the bench for anything like three games. It would be a big, big problem for him. So I don't necessarily see Trossard, therefore, being open to a move to Arsenal, knowing what's ahead of him and knowing what competition is also there for him. So I think that would be a bit of an issue. He cares more about playing than potentially the club that he's at. So it'll be intriguing to see where he ultimately moves to. Uh, Mark says, are the Jesus Ferreira rumours from yesterday still active? I've watched him live at FC Dallas. He's in surprisingly strong, fast, technical and defends well. What are your thoughts? Again, as I said, when we talked about the links to Jesus Ferreira uh, or Jesus Ferreira, uh, I've not necessarily seen enough of him to suggest that I think it's a good or a bad move. That said, you know, there's always kind of that trepidation about the fact that MLS uh, and the level that what a player would be able to transition from that league to the Premier League and how that might impact things. That's why my 
view of Facundo Torres as well. There was some slight uh, and you know apprehension about that move, uh, and I think the same thing would be for Jesus Ferreira. But you shouldn't rule out players because of the league they play in ever. Absolutely, you can have some caution or some anxiety maybe about it, but you shouldn't rule them out because we've seen players come from the US and North America as a whole and do really well in the Premier League and across Europe. But I don't know about the legitimacy of the links. It seems to be one of those that crops up in a day as we get closer to the window and then kind of fades away uh, as the next profile gets suggested. Um but I've heard nothing on that one, mate. So I can't, unfortunately, give you any information on Jesus Ferreira. Uh, Lynn says, Tom, why is our club the most out there with all these links? If both quality and for the future players, no other club gets anywhere near the same. Uh, and yet we don't seem to sign many of these players. Lynn, do you think, and ask yourself this question, and this is to everybody in the chat box. Do you think that your perception of Arsenal being linked to all of these players is because, A, you're an Arsenal supporter, B, you watch shows like this, which covers all of the links to Arsenal, uh, and you aren't necessarily as in tune with all the players being linked to the likes of Chelsea or Liverpool or City or Man United. Because I think that that's probably a big factor. I do think that other clubs see as many links as we do to players. But because we're so locked in on Arsenal, I think psychologically, uh, we think that Arsenal are being linked to far more players than other teams are. It's probably the same thing as to why we think sometimes people are biased against Arsenal or decisions are going against Arsenal more than anyone else because we're so locked in and focused on Arsenal that psychologically we have that kind of unfair balance, if you like, in assessing these news stories, basically. Um, Morgan says, just prefer the BBC, but the best pundit is Ali McCoist for me. Prefer Kelly uh, to Laura, who seems nothing like her TalkSport presentation. Uh, really happy neither showed the opening uh, ceremony at the tournament. Uh, I think that Kelly Cates is, is a great job. I think that Laura does a fantastic job as well. Uh, Ali McCoist is an interesting one. I do enjoy when he kind of sits back and allows the other people on the panel to just kind of rip each other apart. It's quite amusing just seeing him sit there and laugh in the background. Um, this tournament, who I've earned, I've you know what? I've really enjoyed Chris Sutton on BBC Radio 5 Live. I've really enjoyed his co commentary. I've enjoyed the BBC 5 Live commentary. I often have that instead of the normal BBC commentary as well. What I've realized is that I've moaned a lot about Jermaine Genus's co uh, coms whenever he's on BT or BBC. It's really, I, I don't particularly enjoy it. And so what I've done is, is that you can use the BBC Radio 5 Live commentary uh, for the games on BBC, which, of course, Jermaine Genus is commentating on. So what I'm describing it is the anti-Genus commentary, which I think is great. I mean, I love that BBC have provided us with an alternative to Jermaine Genus's co-commentary. <laughs> and I very much appreciate uh, the 5 Live commentary, which I think has been absolutely fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I encourage all of you to click the red button when watching a game on the BBC because you'll be able to use the 5 Live commentary uh, instead of the usual TV one. Dion Dublin was on yesterday. Dion Dublin's been getting a lot of criticism, and I don't really know why, because I've quite enjoyed Dion Dublin's commentary, <laughs> personally. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's a uh, an individual thing. Uh, let's go to Gary, who says, Tom, do you feel now is the time for us to be competing for signings like Bellingham? Surely we must be a much more attractive proposition, although I have polished... Uh, although I love a polished gem. Uh, yeah, who doesn't love a polished gem? Um, you know, bringing in a player that's relatively unknown and then seeing them absolutely smash it. But yeah, we are, and we should be competing for the big names. However, the problem we find is, even though we might be able to afford the transfer fees and be a convincing place for them to come, the wages remain a problem. And I think that we still will be out-competed, unfortunately, by the likes of City in particular, and maybe Chelsea and Man United for some players, because we just can't offer them the same wages as those teams can, because it's outside of our current 
um, possibility, you know. Uh, Sean says, Tom, so disappointed with the Canada result today uh, or yesterday. Uh, we played Belgium off the park. you got to take your chances, Sean. Uh, it's as simple as that. I was really, really willing Canada onwards. I want Canada pro to progress. I want them to succeed. I'd love to see them go through. But you have to take your chances. You can't have 20-odd-plus shots and not score. You can't have a penalty and miss it. You have to take the opportunities when they come. And Canada did not do that yesterday. Uh, Haroon says, are you back on the Asensio hype after yesterday's goal? I'm not. No, uh, he did have a great game. Spain had a great game. Costa Rica were very, very poor. Um, and if, they, if Spain come up against oppositions like that, I'm not surprised that they can score seven goals. But it was a good finish from Asensio. Keller Navas arguably could have done better getting a hand on it and pushed it round. But overall, really strong performance. I talk about it in a little bit more detail with Torres in our morning report over on football.london. So make sure you go and give that one a read. Um, Vanagiti says, with the high inflation rates putting up the cost of borrowing, will this impact on the next couple of transfer windows with a worldwide recession being talked about? Interesting question. And honestly, I'm not an economist. You know, it's not my uh, area of expertise. But just from kind of my very low level expertise in any of it and kind of just the, the regular man off the street, if you like, reaction to that. Is inflation, is a recession going to impact on the footballing world and transfer fees and transfer windows? To be honest, I don't think so. I just can't see football being affected like, you know, everyone else is in the world because the numbers are just so high. The money stays high. Advertising stays high. Revenue stays high. Uh, the only thing that you think might be affected is match day fans who can't necessarily maybe afford to go to the games like they usually would. But I'm sure for every fan that can't, there's someone else willing to come in and, and pay what the other fan that unfortunately can't afford to go uh, and fill their spot. So I don't necessarily think the football will, will be affected, but that comes from a very naive, uneducated point of view. So certainly don't take that as gospel. Um, Tammy says, with Smith... Oh, no, it's a question about Smith Rowe. <laughs> uh, with Smith Rowe back in training, do we still need to buy a wide player or should we focus on midfield? We need to buy both, Temi, is the short is the short answer to your question. We need to buy a versatile forward and we need to buy a midfielder. Uh, that's as simple as that. Um, off the back of the Smith Rowe thing, uh, there was a lot of comments left on yesterday's video basically talking about uh, my views on Emil Smith Rowe and how I'm not convinced that he can play in that left eight role in the future. For the record, it's an opinion, you know, and I also, I get very frustrated when people kind of twist my words, and that's why I maybe got a bit agitated on yesterday's show. I'm not saying that he can't play that. I'm saying that I'm not yet convinced that he can, and I think there is a strong difference between the two. So let's not misinterpret this. I also did go and write a piece yesterday all about Emil Smith-Rowe, and my reasoning behind that. So it did spark off an idea of my mind to write an article on it. So if you want to go and kind of read my full thoughts on the Smith Road debate, uh, I did write up a piece yesterday in FL. So you can go and read them there. Uh, let's go to World Citizen, who says, Morning, Tom. If Spain go deep into the competition and Asensio continues to start and perform as he did yesterday, would you change your mind on him being a good option for the versatile wide forward? I don't think so. I try not to get drawn into World Cup form. I really don't, uh, especially for players that I know aren't particularly doing the best uh, on their club level. Um, I think that what the World Cup's good for finding some hidden gems, but established players that we kind of know about and that have got relatively not the best form going into the tournament, I don't let the World Cup form skew that too much. I try to be careful on that. 
let's go to uh, Mark, who says, when Man United were letting Cristiano Ronaldo go, there were pundits saying that Arsenal should get him. For me, that would be horrible. You agree? Question mark. Any of this? Any of, anything to this, or is it just chatter? There's nothing in regards to my understanding of Ronaldo to Arsenal, none at all, and quite rightly. And I think it's mental that anyone would seriously suggest that Arsenal should go and sign Ronaldo after everything that we've done to cultivate a team of unity and with the mindset and the mentality that we have. The idea of fracturing that with the addition of a player that could not be more disruptive on the planet than Cristiano Ronaldo. I just think it's naive. I think it's ignorant of what we've done so far. And it just strikes me of kind of a video game mentality, if you will, in probably the harshest sense, because it's just not worth it. It really is not worth it at all. <laughs> Matt says, Tom, why do you hate Emil Smithrow? <laughs> uh, Chris says, Smithrow, that guy who is 100% not an eight. Uh, Reese says, Tom, do you think that Patino could be as good as Bellingham? No idea. <laughs> no idea he's a great talent you know he certainly could become great in the future but there's no way of knowing if he's going to reach that level no way of knowing whatsoever uh, james says thoughts on a tgt meet up at a local near the ground could do a live q a post-match james i am hopefully planning a summer live show that is my aim that is a dream for me to be able to put on a live show of the Guna Talk. I want to do it with Harry as well in kind of a Canton and Simu style show with some guests. If I can convince Mr. Clive, maybe if he's listening uh, to come on to a live show in a, in a panel with us, maybe he would be up for that as well and get some other fantastic guests uh, too to join us. You know, that would be a dream scenario for me. Um, so I'm thinking about it. I said that as a celebration, if we manage to hit 50,000 subscribers, which we are on track to do for the summer, uh, it'd be amazing if we could reach that by then. Then we'd do kind of a 50K celebration and a live show in London. So I hope to do that. Um, and it is certainly on my list of things I want to try and organise for next year. Um, Hamid says, Tom, you keep saying that we can't compete on salaries with other English clubs, although we're on circa 85 million and salary budget, while City is on 144 million. Liverpool and Chelsea, 150 million, and United, 212. Yeah, I mean, look at the difference between City, Liverpool, Chelsea, that 150 million kind of mark. Uh, we are currently 65, yeah, 65 million quid off that a year. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money just for wages. So we are considerably off that. We're kind of that level below. You have Man United paying silly money. You have those three on a relatively high Premier League wage bill. And then you have us next. And below that, I think, is probably Spurs. I mean, let's have a look at the Premier League Premier League wage bills. There is usually a table on SpotRack or something like that. So a quick check. Yes, indeed, SpotRack do have one. So Man United, Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool. Spurs are actually higher than us, apparently. Um, they're on 107 million pounds a year ours has gone up to 95 million pounds per year villa are next on 81 leicester 69 west ham 68 uh, newcastle 65 but i imagine that will shoot up in the next few years or so bottom of the premier league is uh leeds brentford i'm looking for any others brentford it looks like are the lowest on 15 million a year that is very low. Um, so there you go. Uh, that gives you an insight into what the uh, the wage bill is currently like at the club compared to some others. Uh, it is a very interesting kind of metric looking at wage bills because despite the fact that I think Arsenal are willing to pay big money for big players, it is that wage consideration that needs to be balanced. When you've got it's once you pay a big fee for a player, it's done, it's gone, you've invested it. But 
with wages, there is such a big kind of balancing act to play with the rest of your team that you need to take into account. No matter how much a player is worth, doesn't really come into things or how much in terms we paid for them in the dynamic of the club or the squad. But wages are a really psychological and sticking point in contract negotiations with other players, with other, you know, in the same team. If you're earning less, um, but playing more than someone else in the squad, it becomes a bit of a negotiation tool for agents. So it's important that you continue to balance your wage bill and that you don't overpay for players. And the 19-year-old Bellingham coming in and becoming our highest earning player, I don't necessarily think strikes Arsenal as, an, as you know, a, a sensible bit of business for us to do, to be honest. And I completely understand why. Um, Francois says at this point of his career Ronaldo is like uh, Trump it's about him and him alone he wants to join Arsenal what Trump wants to join Arsenal uh, he would have won the Premier League for us if we do win it's all about his legacy nothing to do with Arsenal um, wow that is quite the statement Trump wanting to join Arsenal <laughs> uh, Raf says we have shaved our wage bill a lot but it's slightly misleading when you factor the new deals coming up I think if we get Champions League, we will compete with wages. We will just adjust them based on where we finish. We will, Raf, but I mean, the difference of £65 million between now and, you know, those being closed in the summer, it's not realistic to do that. It's not realistic to sign a player who's 19 years of age and become your highest paid player at the club. The dynamic of that doesn't work. Yes, Saka's going to go up to, to triple figures. Yes, Martinelli's going to. Yes, Saliba hopefully will as well. You know, and that is certainly going to raise the wage bill. But it is important that you still balance things and it's going to take a couple of years. I'm not saying that we won't ever get back to that level or you say get back to because we've never been there or just get to that level. But it is going to take a number of years and that won't start with a 19-year-old a being made our highest paid player. That I just can't see that happening and the club will be very, very well aware of what it's trying to do with wages and it won't want to just completely rip it apart based on one signing. I just can't see them doing that. Uh, sliding scale, Raf says, if we are in Europa, you get this. If we're in the Champions League, you get this percentage more. And that is important to take into account, is that wages are based upon competition. There will be bonuses in there. There'll be lots of stuff in there as well. So it is going to be based on that, of course. But uh, I still think it's going to take time. It won't happen in one window. And I don't think you'll see it with one player going uh, and smashing uh, at 19 years of age, you know, I don't think that will smash our wage bill at all. Uh, Esmond says, on the previous question, we cannot we cannot just keep buying players. I think in two seasons from now, we need to sell players for profit like Saka and promote... Sell Saka! I think, Esmond, were you the one saying that Saka was declining? Sell Saka. Wow, goodness. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Uh, Temi says, won't you take Ronaldo as a Jesus backup in January? Surely he's better than Nketiah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure he's probably, he is, I'm not going to lie, he's going to give you more than Ketia would, but no, just not worth it. Just not worth it. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. It's been a genuine pleasure, as it always is, to speak with you. Uh, I'm in the process of collating all the information for our loan roundup for uh, November uh, and the end of October. Uh, so hopefully in the next week, we'll be bringing you the uh, loan report on the players. I've just asked our experts to add their their uh, their contributions in and we hopefully fingers crossed will have a video contribution for Austin Trusty for the course of this season as well and give you a full update on how he's got on so far this campaign from our uh, our expert that will be coming in on the next show as well so I'm looking forward to bringing you that loan update on the players of course I'll be joined 
uh, as always by Ben from the Marseille View uh, to talk about Tavares and uh, Balogun and Pepe and potentially any other January moves. We might talk a little bit about Le Congre and whether or not Marseille might be a good destination for him then. Uh, lots to talk about, lots to discuss. Uh, do drop a like, do subscribe to the channel. Do not uh, not have your notifications turned on. Double negative, but you know exactly what I meant. Um, and I'll see you again very soon. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.